What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel, B1. Today, you're here for the 12th episode of the Biker Bar, and I'm really excited to, to have this episode because we have, uh, luckily enough, Phil from Skills Skills with Phil is, is here. You know what? I always wonder about your last name. Is the K, <laughs> K is silent? Is that what's going on there? The, the K is technically silent, but it doesn't matter like to me at all if you say Kmets or Mets. <laughs> like honestly, sometimes Kmets rings off like runs off the tongue a little bit better than Mets. So I just run yeah. with it. You know, for the longest time, I was like, every time I go to say it, for some reason, I can see it spelled, and I'm like, you're doing it wrong. Well, <laughs> What's funny, one of the reasons why I always say my name at the end of my videos was to try to clarify how my last name was supposed to be said. Oh, no, that, that's a, that's actually a great, great reason to do that. I mean, that's pretty much why I made my uh, channel name and slogan kind of have B1 so that it was explaining how it was spelled as well. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Because <clears throat> getting a short URL nowadays is like freaking, you might as well try to find baby Jesus. Oh, so. it's impossible. So what is that? What's the background of that, that Comet's name? Um, I believe it's uh check check. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Check. So my, my, my <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, my, my, my dad was adopted, but like it, he was adopted into more of a, uh, Czechoslovakian family, I believe. So I don't fully know too much the history behind it, but I know it's supposed to be from somewhere over there. Right on. So those of you that that may or may not know who who Phil Metz is, oh wow! I I saw the picture in my head again when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's had a, a popular YouTube channel and it's been around for a while. I think you're how many how many subscribers do you have now? I think I'm at two hundred thirty thousand at this point, somewhere around there. Wow, just killing it! How long you been doing it? Uh well, I've. It depends on what in what sense you mean. I I started. I started posting videos in, I think, 2013. All oh, right. Um, and like at the time, I was just doing like helmet cam runs, like with like you know crappy GoPro. Um, and uh, I like I th this is when I was racing professionally, and I like I came off a season where I had injured myself, and so I was just trying to get some content up there because I'd never filmed myself, didn't know how to use a camera, so I was just like you know just figuring it out. I knew there's a lot of like trails on high at Highland mountain bike park that nobody had posted videos of. So kind of went out there, just did a bunch of the cool runs and posted those videos up. So I didn't start doing skills with Phil into 2013. And so I feel like that's when like the channel like really started, but mm -hmm. I'd been kind of experimenting with YouTube in some form since 2013. All right. On. So, and you are, at that time, you said that you were a professional rider. Were you in school at that time as well? No. So that um, 2014, um, the fall of 2014 is when I started school. Oh, okay. Um, and so I, I, like, I was 24 when I went back to school. Oh, cool. So whenever you, how, let, let's, let's go ahead and roll the clock back. When did you get into riding? Uh, I got into riding BMX when I was like five and I was living in California at the time. Oh, wow. We were out in California. Uh, we were in Huntington Beach. Oh, cool. And then, yeah. so that's a big move from the West Coast to the East Coast. You had like military family or just like you guys didn't like the sunshine anymore? Or? No. So my dad worked for Pratt & Whitney, the uh, aerospace company, and he like changed jobs within the company a few times. And so, you know, I was born in Connecticut, lived out in California for a little bit. Then we moved back to the East Coast and like 
we were there for like two years and then we moved to France for five oh, years. Oh, that's um, really cool. Where at in France did you live? Toulouse. So that's like the southwest corner. Oh, okay. So towards Spain then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I was playing hockey at the time and we had a few like hockey tournaments in Barcelona. Oh, cool. That's really neat. It's funny the things, the, the way that life kind of bounces you around, you know? Yeah. Uh, so how did you get introduced into mountain biking then? Yeah, so I was uh, like, without tooting my own horn, but like I was a really good BMX racer. Um, and, they, you know, when I was nine years old, I competed in the world championships and I ended up finishing eighth. Um, oh, wow. And wow. I like just, you know, when I was racing in France, I like finished third in national championships a few times. Um, and, you know, a lot of the guys who like are some of the best current BMX racers in the world, I used to race with. Oh, but cool. when I moved back to the US, I moved to New Hampshire. And there's not much in terms of BMX racing over there. Um, but the, what we have is a lot of mountains. And so I kind of picked up BMX Park. I went to Camp Woodward for a while, started trying to do the trick stuff. And I was good at going big, but I was not good at doing tricks. Like bar spins, tail whips. Like that stuff never really clicked for me. Uh-huh. So can you can you explain to people what Camp Woodward was? Yeah, so Camp Woodward is this camp in, uh, it's a summer camp in Pennsylvania that actually started out as a gymnastics camp. Um, and it somehow evolved into this like adrenaline fueled, like the place to go. If you skateboard, you rollerblade, you ride BMX, and uh, you go for weeks at a time, and they have like, every kind of facility you can imagine for mountain or not mountain biking, but for BMX and skate parks and so um, like foam pits and all kinds of stuff like yeah, that. Many yeah. different kinds of foam pits, many kind of different uh, resi ramps. And like, it's, it's absolutely like, it's hard to wrap your head around. It's such an experience. Huh? What is a resi ramp? Uh, that's so a resi ramp. So think about like, it's, you build like a, base in the like shape of a ramp but just a little bit a little bit smaller out of wood and then you put a thick piece of foam on top of that platform and on top of the foam you put like a it's like a half inch piece of uh, plastic oh okay and it's pretty slippery and it might not exactly be plastic but i'm going to call it plastic yeah yeah and so like when you land on it like it's going to absorb some of the impact so it's not going to hurt as much. And then also because it's slippery, you're not going to cut yourself. You might get like a little bit of a road burn, but you're not going to get um, like scraped up. So right. the combination so, between those two things makes it a pretty good thing to learn a uh, new trick. Right, right. Totally makes sense. I think there was something like that um, on the ramp that you were riding with, with uh, Seth just recently, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, if you go back to my wheel mill video where I kind of like rode around this indoor bike park, I at one point in the video, I kind of took a closer look at what a resi ramp is. I kind of showed a foam plus like a little piece of plastic on top. Oh, cool. So what is it? So so at, at 24, you're you're racing. You, you have a racing career. And what made it you, you decide to go to college at that point? Um. Yeah. So I had been on and off with racing a little bit um, and at 20 so at 23 um i so in 2013 i was actually racing for evil mm -hmm. um and uh, 
like it was the first time I'd gotten like a really cool gig. Like, you know, first time I got free bike, um, which is a big deal, right? It's harder than you think. And, um, you know, I had some really good results. I had like a fifth in the national championships. Um, and I was totally privateer at that time. I was really struggling to like get, um, any sort of footing, like, you know, it's hard to get sponsorship or anything. And like, without that kind of support, you can't really, you know, budget all these races so right um, you have to pay like the entrance fee to get into the races and how to get there and all this and that so it's not cheap exactly so in 2012 i'm backing up a little bit i had two like third places in nationals at on like uh big nationals and i was on the podium with aaron gwynn who is the best racer in the world right um and so i was like okay this is awesome and i'm going to do my first world cup uh right before i break my collarbone I have never broken a bone in my life. That's a bad time to do it. Yeah, it sucked. Like I was pretty, <laughs> I, I was devastated. Um, I can imagine. I can, I can totally imagine. And I healed up from that and I still had the UCI points because it's actually hard to get into World Cups. You can't just go to a World Cup and race. You have to like qualify for it. And so. Is there like a, a handful of races that you have to qualify before you can get to there? Or is it like. You have to win at these nationals or you have to do these other events that are races that will get you points and you need like at the time i think it was 10 or 20 uci points Mm -hmm. and there are very few races in the u.s where you could get uci points um but i got mine at the national championships the year before um so i had the points and i needed i wanted to use them because you don't get that many opportunities to race world cups so i went to javier in uh, norway and like third practice run broke my hand like clipped it on a tree and so obviously like i still did my qualifying run like i went out all the way out there to race i might like might as well like try but i had a broken hand so didn't really go that well (laughs) what were Uh, you thinking when you started that race man your hands broken you're like you're getting ready to start and you're like what the fuck am i doing right now yeah i mean like you're i like because like i didn't have any like real experience they throw you in the back of the pack you're like one of the last people down it's it's nerve-wracking and like so it it, like it was not a good great experience for me and um so but i still had some pretty good results that year so i ended up getting a good sponsorship that was a sponsorship with evil the next year Mm -hmm. and so 2013 right before like the first big race of the year i break my hand again so so same thing just clip a tree or something go over yeah the same bone the bone never fully healed i guess oh, um yeah. and so that's three bone breaks in one year and I'm like i was like all right i need to just take some time off and just like you know make sure it heals properly and um you know, when I was out in California with Evo guys, like I kind of picked up on to what the guys are looking for in terms of you being a sponsored athlete. Um, you know, the social media thing. I didn't have an Instagram account at the time. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be like putting myself out on Instagram and all this stuff. Like, right. So I kind of picked up on it. I picked up on the sense that he wanted me to be involved in the community. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, so when I had a broken hand, I was still trying to, like, uh, put on, like, a local grassroots race series to be involved and just, like, you know, still, like, 
do my thing. I like, I like being involved in races. Um, right. Right. And yeah, like that year I just like didn't have any really good results, but I start like, that's when I started my YouTube channel. Cause I was starting to pick up on things I needed to be doing. And, um, you know, I, I, I love the internet. Like I spent a lot of time on Reddit. So like to me, like, you know, YouTube and that kind of stuff is like where I hung out. Um, right. But I just like, you know, come to the end of the year, like I, my sponsorship with evil. <laughs> Oops. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> uh, my, uh, so my sponsorship with evil, like fell through and like I was SOL. It was past the time where you're like, like the deadlines where you're supposed to get all your paperwork in for sponsorship for next year. I was like, man, like I had a good run with it. I need to like have a backup plan. So I actually, uh, this is, 2013 going into 2014 i was just like well i'm a pretty good racer i know there are schools that give scholarship money for uh being on a collegiate cycling team i'm just gonna apply to a school and see if like i can get some money to go back to school and kind of figure out where i need to go next in life because obviously racing isn't going to pay the bills but you know so you're, maybe you're, you're having these broken bones and you're thinking i, I need a backup plan yeah, I mean, like, it's just not sustainable. I like there, there are very few pros who actually make a money, like, who make a uh, living off of um, the money they make through racing. Yeah, I mean, out of the few guys that I've met that have been doing it for a while, most of them have gotten into doing other things other than racing, but that's still sponsorship like driven, you know? So, it, exactly. And um, so at that point, I was like, well, I'll just take 2014 to like have fun, figure out what I want to do. Um, and I think I might've done a few uh, videos on like playing around, uh, restoring a pump track that uh, I had built in my friend's yard. So like they're more building videos. Uh -huh. um, and it was the first time I was kind of getting YouTube, like trying to talk to the camera, which I still suck at to this day, but it's like I sucked at, even worse back then <laughs> it is definitely a um there there's a, a certain fear that you need to get over to be able to just take your camera out in front of a bunch of people at a trailhead and just start talking to it i can't you know, do that like walking across like the other day i was filming you know like walking across the street talking about this bike shop that i'm walking into <laughs> and it's like you know people were walking around shopping they're like it's this fucking fat fuck walking around like <laughs> talking about yeah. what's up youtube you know <laughs> yeah i i can't even do that like i like i like i don't like doing that kind of stuff i like to like go off into woods where nobody is point <laughs> camera at feature me and the like and just kind of like showcase like and if it, like i see hikers or people come by like i just like look at my phone like yeah not I doing am anything so opposite of almost everybody that i talk to on youtube <laughs> Even, like with my voiceovers it's like i'll i'll take the video and i'll just put it in on the laptop and look at it in the closet while i'm recording and i'm just talking about it and i don't write anything and i just <laughs> i don't i don't know i'm just I guess that's my my one gift that I got other than being able to drink copious amounts of beer is just run my fucking mouth. Well, you you've got a great voice. Like you have a really deep commanding like, you know, <laughs> listen to me like I, I I think this works for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. My my analytics don't say so, but <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like it especially at the beginning like it's hard to find 
where you fit in and like what you're like uh what direction you're gonna head i think for me the hardest thing is not judging yourself on your analytics i think yeah, that's that's really tough i i go like i like to like i look at numbers and i love to look at like different trends and things but the more i look at numbers the more i'm like comparing myself to other people yeah. and the more i hate it and i just like i so i i found more lately from a um just from like a healthy lifestyle like i try not to look at the numbers too much like i it's not good psychologically because like yeah no no definitely not at all i try not to look at it but i mean that that subscribe subscriber counts up there on the page no matter where you go so you can't get away from that one yeah i like man like it's hard not to like look at the like count and all those things but like i you know i don't want to have like this shallow existence where i'm just like doing things for likes like to me yeah like, I, yeah know, I want there's certain things that I don't, I, I mean, I try not to say like this video and, and subscribe. And maybe that's part of the reason that I'm not doing as well as I could be because I'm not shoving that down everybody's throat. But there's like certain things on YouTube that just annoy the shit out of me to hear. So <laughs> like, I don't want to be like contributing to that party. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, like before a video even starts, like they're telling you to click that like notification bell, like those things. Like, yeah, I, I completely understand why people do that and i don't necessarily fault them i just don't like it yeah so i yeah. try not to do it and no, i don't I think mean, I, I i i can say <laughs> two guys complaining about likes and subs <laughs> it's a great live stream man so <laughs> i mean for me for me it's it's really um i i think that i i lost my train of thought that's actually what i think happened there so <clears throat> moving on <laughs> So as as your channel grew, was there certain stages where you were just like, you couldn't believe it? I mean, I, I know for me, when I had like 20 subs, I was like walking around my house telling everybody I was famous. They all need to shut up and man, like call me sir from now on. <laughs> I I think 1000 was a this ridiculous, ridiculously big number that I was like, whoa, I hit it. Like, this is insane. Yeah. Um. Because at the time, I think Jordan Boostmaster was around, but there was like I I hit a thousand before I started doing the skills with Phil stuff. Yeah, and this is just from like helmet camps off, and um, I think to me like I yeah I think I don't even think G GMBN was around at the time. I think uh, Global Cycling Network was around, but I don't think they had broken out into. Uh, individual channels for different um like subgenres of mount or biking yeah um, i wish i would have uh, when i started the biker website it, it was i mean i bought this domain it was probably 2013 or so like that and uh i i just got hung up in in recording videos and and editing got too er, too too cumbersome to learn and i kind of just sat on it for a couple of years i wish i would have done it then because honestly if i would have done what i was planning on doing I would have been way ahead of the power curve, you know? Yeah. And like, I had watched, like I, I had done my homework at the time. Cause I came from like a background of like, I never used a camera. Um, and one of the things I, one of the reasons why I got into like learning how to use a camera is cause I was a professional racer on a budget. I couldn't hire someone to like, I couldn't afford to hire somebody to come out with me in the woods and film stuff. I, so I was trying to figure out how I could do it myself. Like, you know, how can I do this on a budget? 
Right. And like, you know, it was hard to find cameras that did like 1080p at 60 frames per second at the time, or like even like any cameras that did 60 frames per second. Um, and I knew like I wanted to do some slow-mo shots. Um, and so I was just like learning all about that stuff. And so through like watching other YouTube channels around cameras and filmmaking, I learned that there was like a community, like there's this community aspect around cameras. I was like, whoa, no one's done this for biking yet. And like, so that that's the thing that like really like got me going. Like, I don't know if like mountain bikers are internet savvy enough at this point, because this is like back when smartphones were still like starting, like not quite as popular. So no one had really like uh, embraced the internet like it is now. Like it's yeah. crazy how much has changed in like so little time. But yeah, it's uh, definitely, definitely come a long way, especially in the last couple of years. Um, and like so, I I, I didn't even know if it was going to be possible to do something with that in the mountain bike community. And so you know, I was like, eh, I still think there's potential. And I didn't know what direction I was going to go. And I was still racing at that time because I when I went back to school, um. I started, you know, I did collegiate racing and I ended up winning collegiate nationals in both downhill and dual, dual solemn. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, maybe I should still do this racing thing. Cause like the guys who I was racing against in collegiate nationals were some of the best racers on the pro circuit as well. Huh. Um, just because of how it's not an NCAA sport. So, and because you're not really getting paid as a racer. It doesn't, there's no conflict with NCAA because it's not part of USA cycling overseas, the collegiate aspect of uh, racing. I know that like question gets asked quite a bit. How does like, you know, professional racer race collegiate? It's like we're professional, but we're more or less professional category, not like a professional, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So what did you decide to go to school for? Business and marketing. I wanted to end up in the bike industry somehow. Like, uh -huh. I didn't know what. I just knew like I like bikes. I wanted to do something fun. Like, and I'm not like a number cruncher, so engineering was out of like out of it. So I figured <laughs> I'd try to do something related to marketing. Um, so, so at the time you said your channel was pretty like not non-existent actually at that point. So you weren't really picking a college career based off of like this newfound thing, YouTube that you were doing. I wasn't sure yet. I like, cause I, I entered school and I think I probably had like 1000 subscribers, which mm -hmm. I still thought was a big deal, but right. um, I didn't like, nowhere to go with it i hadn't done a like tutorial video yet like the idea of skills with phil hadn't been born yet right and so in 2015 i started racing again because like someone like saw my results at the national championships and they're like hey we'll give you a ride like we'll help you out and so i did a national i had a really good result like kind of came out of nowhere and people were like oh where did he come from i thought he stopped racing mm -hmm. um and so after that race, before the next one, I was like, well, I have some time to kill. I'll, I'll try to do a tutorial. Like, I don't know. I've never done a tutorial, um, but I'll take the time to try to figure out how to make a tutorial on a subject that I've always found frustrating because the videos don't explain things the way I think they should be explained. Right. 
everybody has their own way of learning things. So when you're looking to learn something, if people aren't telling it to you the way that you you're receptive to, then you're like, well, they're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like I, I, I went out and did that like how to manual video because that was a skill that had always frustrated me because I, I first like, you know, picking up your front wheel, like is one thing holding a manual is what I couldn't do. Right. Um, like, you know, I could hold it for like across uh, like the top of a jump, but I couldn't hold it and just, you know, lock into a manual for like a minute. Like that's right. something I never like could understand how to do. And I've kind of like at the time, like through making the video and like um, leading up to it, I had finally figured it out. So I made that tutorial on it. And because I, at the time, like I was post like posting on Reddit quite a bit. Um, I, you know, I, I credit a lot of my uh, the stuff that I know thanks to Reddit because it's you know since like two thousand since like two thousand nine I've been on a Reddit I freaking love it and I was like I'll post it to RMTB like you know I've always been kind of involved in like that subreddit since it had like four hundred subscribers mm -hmm. um, and like so like I, I've been part of like that mountain bike subreddit for a while, but like you know I'd post like sporadically, and so I was like I'll post that video see if people like it, and like I I came back w within like a few hours, and like it was people were just eating it up, and, like man like this video is awesome, like I was like whoa, and like at that time my like subscriber count like jumped to three thousand. You're like oh wow I did something right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Whoa, we're, we're I just tapped into something here." Right. Um but at the same time, like I was still racing professionally. Like I like so, you know, not too long later, I finally did another World Cup, and at that World Cup, I qualified 23rd, which was insane. Like as, you know, someone who doesn't really um you know, who never raced a world never qualified for a race uh world cup i qualified 23rd and it was like my my goal was just to qualify and right. like like so that like whole thing was just like whole, it blew my mind right um Seriously, my, in, in my in my race run i ended up crashing but my like my one claim is i had in sector two so there's in if you have a race course and you have split time so you have like a split time, let's say one third of the way down, and another a second split time, two thirds of the way down to uh -huh. kind of gauge where you're. So sector two is between split one and split two. Right. In that section, I had the eighth fastest uh, time of the day. Right on. So like, you, were, you were stoked. You're you're all an ass. Yeah, I uh, I was going faster than people who I just like idolize. I was like, holy crap! Like, okay cool i can go fast and then that was kind of the end of like racing for i mean i still raced after that but i had proven to myself the one thing i cared like about like how do i stack up against some of these guys mm -hmm. like i knew i was never going to be the best racer in the world i just wanted to see if i was comparable yeah and well, I did that. Known for, for taking some like little bit wilder lines than some people a little more straight lines so in 2015, I was kind of rolling the dice way more. Um, I like, I was taking more chances than a lot of people, and there were a few lines that I did that like people were just like, "I'm, I'm not touching that." 
Right. I remember seeing some kind of video or something like that, and they were talking about that, or maybe it was you talking about it or something like that. Just where you were just hitting shit like straight on, where people were like, "That's just stupid." Yeah. But you were like, you had some kind of background. I don't remember what it was that you were talking about. I think you were just saying you were just used to kind of going for it like that. Yeah, like so. This is Mammoth. Mammoth had like this one section that they called a Widowmaker. Um, as it sounds, it's not a very friendly place. Like <laughs> it, was, it was really awkward. Like it was a double, like step down, like two, like four foot drops, like right in a row. Um, and they're really awkwardly timed. Um, and like, it was really hard to go fast over them. And like everyone was struggling with it, but you had like this compression before it. And like, you know, it's hard to remember how far, like the distance wise, but like it was pretty far back. There was this little piece of um, cambered ground that you could potentially land on, but like right in front of it, there was some more nasty rocks. Mm -hmm. So if you were to go for this line, you had to commit and you had to get it perfect. It like, it was a, if you made it, you'd be good. If you messed up, you'd be like taken out on a stretcher. Yeah. And so I walked up and I'm like, I think I can hit this, but I was like trembling. I was like, right. I just need to like go into this, commit and just send it. Um, I just kind of like envisioned myself doing it. And like, you know, I don't know how many people were around at the time, but everyone was looking, there's a few people looking at that section. I just went into it, sent it perfect. I was like, Whew. I was like, holy crap. I did it. Yeah. On one of my next practice runs, one of the people who was looking at that section was Aaron Gwynn. Uh-huh. And he saw me do it. And, you know, I finished my uh, practice lap and he came down uh, sometime later behind me. And like, you know, he's usually a pretty reserved person. He came over to me and I've never really talked to him, but he was like, dude, that was like the like bosses line I've ever seen. Yeah. Right on, man. And so like, that was like, pretty uh, hum like humbling experience like to have him tell me that like it, it was pretty cool and I, I still look back at that as like one of the highlights of my career yeah i think that you know really being called out by somebody that you probably you know still would look up to like that's that's definitely definitely makes you feel good right absolutely um and like you know he's you know i still watch racing and he's like it's so much fun to watch him race like so i don't know just that one interaction like really kind of like is one of the reasons why he's my favorite racer yeah are you still racing um i i don't um i it's not that i wouldn't race if i have the opportunity i like it's been on my mind to mm -hmm. try doing another race here and there uh whether it's downhill or even like you know that someone put the bug in my like year to actually try and do an EWS race. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wouldn't like rule that out. It's just the stress that came from racing sucks because uh -huh. it takes something you love doing and then makes it not fun. Yeah. When, uh, when I, uh, go riding with one of my buddies and, you know, I'm doing the channel and stuff. He always says to me, you don't, don't make mountain biking a job, dude, because then it won't be fun anymore. You know? Yeah, I always think about that. You know, it's always on the back of my mind. <clears throat> you don't want to well, do that. No, I mean, like, you know, a lot of the racers, it is their job. So, like, it's, 
you know, pretty kick-ass job. But at the end of the day, there's still some qualities about it where it's like, you know, if you don't get a good result, you might not be getting a paycheck the next year. Like you, like you might have to find a different kind of career path. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of stress to be carrying. That's for sure. So, so it's one of those things where it's a, it's a doggy dog kind of world out there. It's like, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. sustain a long career in racing. Mm-hmm. So are, you're, you're getting close to being wrapped up with school. I'm done with school. I graduated in May. Oh, well, right on, dude. I, I, I never like, I didn't go to graduation. I like, you know, I, once like I had my last class, I just packed up all my stuff and left. Right on. I don't know. I'm not really big on like celebrating <laughs> things. Yeah. I didn't do that when I graduated either. I actually just didn't give a fuck. I mean, honestly, I did the work. That's all that really mattered to me. Yeah. I mean, I like, my mom wasn't going to be able to come down and, and attend. Um, my dad obviously pa- had passed away. My sister lives out of the country. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where it's like, you know, Haley was up in Vermont. I'm like, I don't really know what the point of, you know, walking across the stage is like, I just want to go home and, you know, ride Get bikes and it. like see Haley and whatnot. So, yeah. Right. So where were you going to school at? It was in Western uh, North Carolina um, in a school called Lee's McRae. And it's, it's about an hour and a half ish uh, North of Asheville. So you were in school there and then your family was in Connecticut. Uh, no, the New Hampshire, New Hampshire. I'm sorry. Okay. I knew it was up there in new England States somewhere. Yeah. I mean, there's so many States up there that like it might as well all just be one state right. sometimes. <laughs> I'm from Pennsylvania, so basically all I knew was oh, New York no and everything else. Yeah, yeah, like uh, York, like the peppermint patty. I, I had no idea. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so I actually that's where I learned how how to mountain bike was back back in the East Coast, and I mean back then it was you could ride anywhere. There was no such thing as a <laughs> it was just get on the dirt wherever you feel like it. You know, and we had started out, you know, with. I mean, the bikes were all fully rigid and shit like that back then. So when we were doing a lot of like rails and trails kind of videos and or not videos, I mean, rides. And so, I mean, that wasn't super exciting. But then when, you know, we we would get into this and that. But it's funny. I really wish I could like go back to those trails that I rode back then. The ones that we thought were difficult, you know, and, yeah. and stack them up to like what we're riding today. It's just pretty <laughs> nuts, you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I remember this one hill that we used to call it Mount Flatliner because it was just like so steep and so long or whatever. And it's like I stacked that up against some of the shit that I've ridden out here in like Tahoe or something like that. I'm like, this is that was a freaking anthill, man. You know, uh, it, it's it's crazy to see how much things have changed. And just, you know, it's on one hand, you, you feel like, man, the bike industry is like it's like this marketing engine that's just trying to get you to buy new stuff. But on the other hand, it's like the advancements in the technology and what we're able to ride now compared to what we used to be able to ride. It's just, it's just, it's, it's amazing. You know? Yeah. It, it, the technology aspect of mountain biking is interesting. Cause it's, um, again, I, I come from BMX where it's like, you have a, almost like the simp- most simple kind of bike you can have. Like there's nothing special about BMX bike. Right. It's and, a single speed. Yeah, and like you, you just do the best that you can with that very primitive object. And yeah, I mean, I, when we rode BMX too, I mean, we 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 didn't even have brakes. We would just take we took them off so we would our bikes would be lighter. 
you know, I'm just I, using I, the foot in the back tire, and that was that. You know, I would take mine off because it would make make me go bigger. Like I couldn't stop before a quarter pipe. I just would, if I'm coming into it really fast, I just have to go really high. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to commit, right? <laughs> it's funny how much you can learn like through like scaring yourself and pushing that limit and then you just get used to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm sorry, I kind of got us off track there. So um, nonetheless, so you, when you went back home after getting out of college at that point where you're like, okay, well, I want to go get like a, I need to get a job, like a regular J-O-B or I'm just going to start, you know, hitting it on the YouTube or so I had a really not difficult um academically year like not, like my academic year was easy but I had a really tough year mentally oh, um back in so my dad had passed away my junior year of uh, college and this was in uh December november december of that year so that kind of threw me off and then literally one year after that my mom almost died from a tear in her ascending aorta you had you had a pretty rough go at it then i mean with all things considered like i've never really faced any kind of adversity in my life so like it was starting to catch up like it was something that was bound to happen um uh-huh. so it, it was all of a sudden like these things would come up with like you know, in the big picture, like, like, of like, what happens in other people's life, it's probably like, I'm not that bad. But it just kind of happened at once. That's too bad, man. I, I apologize, or I feel sad for you or whatever it is that you know, my condolences go out to you for, for the, the run that you had, though. I mean, because regardless, of, I mean, everybody always wants to stack up everybody else's problems to theirs and be like, Oh, mine's not as bad. But it, it's still it's still a rough go, dude, you know? delicious seltzer water yeah the cheapest kind you can get at hannaford's which is our local grocery store (laughs) um anyway um so i i was also having this weird conflict at school where i was one of the older kids on the team so um i was kind of expected to be more of a captain and in the captain's role and i've never been a leader i've like all in group aspects i just kind of hang out behind and you know, I'll assist someone to make a decision, but I don't like to be the decision maker. Um, but because I was older, there was a lot of pressure on me to be kind of a captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there is this one, you know, like there's just like a bunch of situations where I just like I've I was much older than a lot of the kids at school. And so I kind of I had a hard time relating with them at to a certain degree, especially um, my senior year. So I didn't really have any good fr- I, I didn't have any great friends uh, my senior year of school, I'd say. I had mm-hmm. one or two. But, you know, it yeah, was... shitload on the internet. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's it's one thing to have, like... I, I value personal relationships a lot because, yeah, you know, it, it's people who I see day-to-day, like, um, I don't know, it's, there's, there's something different. But anyway, uh, so... this one incident which really kind of like i was already not having a great time i was like kind of struggling to make videos for some reason i think it was you know partially due to my mom passing uh not passing she didn't pass away but my mom almost passing away at that point like that kind of like like oh like yeah i took some time off uh 
from like making videos to try to figure out. And then like when I came back, I just like my energy wasn't there. Um, and you know, some, somebody asked earlier too, like, how do you, how do you keep from the burnout, you know? And, um, I think, you know, that's, that's a good, good question to lay in there, you know, is how, how did you overcome that? Because I, I know even in the time that I've been doing, I mean, just recently I, I had a, a little go of a month or so where I just kind of, I was like, man, I, I don't, I don't, ha I just don't have it. I don't, I don't want to pick up my camera. I don't want to edit. All I'm doing is walking around having anxiety about not editing. Like it's, it's really taking the fun out of this. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know what? It's uh it's an interesting thing. Um, I, I like, I, I, for me, if I'm not enjoying what I'm making, it's going to show in the video. Right. So if I'm unhappy in my current situation, I just need to not make that video. Like sometimes it's good to push through that, like, you know, in some situations, but like at some point, if it becomes a recurring trend, you just need to kind of step back and figure out the underlying problem. And then once you figure that out, you can move on again. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know for, for me, I think it's for me, I just go through like ebb and flow with life, you know, and, and for me, I mm -hmm. have times where I'm like super motivated about shit and then. Sometimes though, you just you just want to be like fuck it, and you just want to be lazy, and you just want to not do anything for a little while, and and it's tough when you have you know five five thousand to two hundred and twenty thousand freaking people waiting for you to do something. You yeah, know? <laughs> it definitely uh, definitely you know makes you have this like little level of anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. where you're like, you're you're not being able to really relax. I think what I should have done, and this is what I would tell people, other people out there is like, if you need to take a break, just tell everybody that you're going to take a break and then just take a break. Mm -hmm. Like instead of like, and, and, and I think you kind of did that when you did that with your Patreon. I, and I really respected that, you know, where it's like, I'm just going to take some time off, man. And I think if I would have done that and just said to everybody like, Hey, I'm not going to do anything except for the biker bar for like two months. So mm -hmm. That's it. Then I wouldn't be stressing about it, you know. <clears throat> I I also had a hard time with Patreon for me because I never like I kept trying to figure out how to use it best, and um, you know sometimes I'd do kind of the longer cut videos, and then then sometimes I'd do like uh, I'd post the videos on um, Vimeo without any ads, you know, better quality, and it was hard for for me to figure out how to like really deliver value through um patreon and like you know like some people didn't mind other people found that they weren't quite getting the value from patreon so i was like like i i just feel like it's better for me to step back from patreon because uh, i don't feel like i'm using it to its full potential um mm -hmm. like i might go back and just do it in a like ama format and just have that be the perk, but um, I haven't decided about that. I want, I'd like to do a monthly, monthly, like recurring AMA kind of thing. And I might even consider doing that outside of Patreon and just open it up to the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something that I struggle with, with Patreon is like, you know, what do you, what do you offer to people on YouTube and what do you offer on Patreon? But I think at the end of the day, um, your, your big fans are going to be on Patreon almost no matter what you do, you know, they're, they're there just to support you. And I think, yeah. That's, and, and you, but 
so like on one hand from like if you're looking at it from an outside view you could say you know just provide them something because for the most part they just want to support you but on the other hand like i think as a moral person you can't just accept money from people and not give them something that is value valuable you know what i mean i i i completely agree it's uh, i i hate feel like getting handouts like i like to really work for um the things i do and um so like it, it's hard for me because I, I like i i spent i spend a lot of time on like my skills videos um uh and you know like if someone wants to like chip in like i'd be okay with that but like i just don't it didn't feel right so I don't know. I it, I just had a really hard time with like figuring out how to like use Patreon because I couldn't give people. A, it was hard for me to figure out how to like give people additional content with some skills videos. Because mm. um, like you know I, to me like I spent a crap ton of time making sure like trying to make this video as perfect as possible. Like my brain was like fried. It's like I don't know how like what else I can add to this video that can provide value. Um, so. I, I think for me, like for the time being, I'm just going to stay off of Patreon. Yeah. I mean, you're still kind of, you're not posting as regularly on, on YouTube as well, right? Yeah. I, I'm like, I've been kind of trying to do a video every other, every two weeks. And um, I had to help my mom pack the house because she just moved. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of missed last week in all, which was fine because all this week I've been like just, testing out the new GoPro Hero 7. So I've been just trying to like test out in a bunch of different situations so I can make a pretty good video on the new GoPro Hero and like, you know, talk about that in the like in some depth. Um cuz you know, that's a big part of the channel is like having equipment that's easy to use but it's also like works well. So at this point is your job YouTube or are you um like what, what what is what is it that what is the income? Yeah, what's your goal look like? Uh, you know, so my, my you're obviously a driven person by what by you know being a racer and going to school and doing the YouTube on top of it. So I mean, they're they're I find it hard to believe that you don't have a plan for where you're going. I I I do have a I'm not very like specific with my plans. I have like general kind of shotgun blast ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to have though. Um, for the moon man you at least get up in the sky right and like i have a few different things that like i want to have um but so yeah i i'll, I'll my goal is to be back on youtube but, um and i've actually uh, been working with paul a little bit about like bringing on board sustainable sponsors mm -hmm. um because um when you say some, paul you're talking about paul the punter correct okay and like but, I, I met him out at uh uh crankworks last year not this past year but the year before and you know he was a pretty straight shooter he like had a lot of knowledge on the subject and i was like he kind of opened my eyes to things i had no idea about so um so for those of you guys that don't know what who we're talking about there's another youtuber named and his channel name is paul the punter he's out of i think out of the british columbia area and he's squamish yeah okay and he's a uh, a brit a brit as well he used to work for pink bike Yep. And I think he was head of or I think part he, of their marketing team, something like that. I yeah, I believe he dealt with ads and uh like ad sales. Right. Um, so 
since then he's he's left pink bike and he's now kind of doing his own thing on that that same level but uh freelancing and then also doing his youtube channel yeah which his he's killing it yeah i know his channel's doing good his his uh his, his live streams are or he's got a, a a new little twist to them that that uh seems to be fun so it's just a matter of of uh you know getting people to, to dial into it you know i, I like it because it's it's for like for me like anytime i did a live stream i i had to have something to do and i think those little things i was doing uh to like do something is really good um, yeah yeah no it definitely makes it fun um where were we i felt like uh, it doesn't matter where we were <laughs> <laughs> i think we were talking about you working what what, what the, oh what the yeah so what's the plan shotgun blast um, so the plan is, uh, to get back into more of like, do, cause I felt like I kind of got off track with like some of the skill stuff and I wasn't doing as many skill videos. Mm -hmm. So the plan is to come back and start doing more skills videos and do that in a more sustainable way where I can actually, you know, make a sustainable living. Currently I'm still able to make enough to pay bills with, uh, like the YouTube income that like, I'm still like um residuals i residual right. eh, i can't say that word but you get, you get the point right. um from like my older videos that are still like making enough money um so i'm like i'm a pretty frugal person uh -huh. um and so i don't like i'm not my biggest expenditures are usually bike related stuff you just had a, a a little bit of a hard time saying that word there and i think remember i remember you talking about you had a bit of a speech speech problem when you were younger or yeah, so I grew up with a little bit of a speech impediment. It wasn't like mm -hmm. this um, really bad one, but it was like I always talked funny. And then mm -hmm. I also lived in France for five years. And when I was so in France... made you talk even more funny then, right? Yeah, because uh, I <laughs> had to speak French at school. Like, right. I, I, at one point, I was fluent in French. Now my French is kind of rusty, but, you know, I could pick it back up. When I moved back to the U.S., um, not only did I, like talk funny because of my former speech impediment uh -huh. but now i hadn't really spoken english very much in a while and so uh everything was just like you couldn't understand me like at sometimes like i would slur my words together and in my head i could hear everything perfectly right but to the outsider i just talked really quickly and weird and right. People kind of like gave me a hard time about that. And so I went from being a kind of, uh, I was never extroverted, but a little bit more outgoing to a pretty quiet person. And, you know, Just in high school, speech stuff. Yeah. Um, amongst others, like I was so, like, you know, in high school, I just didn't really talk that much. You think that played into you writing a bunch then? So you're just kind of like putting your energy into that? I think that probably played some factor. Um, yeah. But I think because I moved around a bunch, like biking was like the only constant I had in my life. Like, if that makes any sense, because like, you know, it's the I'm one thing you, like I moved a shit ton in my life, man. I mean, I bet you I lived in over 30 houses before I graduated high school. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, like I like I think by the time I graduated, I had like changed schools like 12 times. Yeah, yeah. In high school, I went to four different high schools in four different states, Georgia, Jeez. Florida, Pennsylvania and California. High school was the only time I actually went to one school. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So, I mean, I think that's part though. I mean, think moving around is what helped me to be the communicator that I am because I had to learn how to like 
you know, reestablish myself over and over and over again. And, and I think that that's what played into me being the way that I am. But I mean, everybody takes their situations a little differently. So somehow you go from having a speech impediment and, and talking funny and being the shy guy to having over 200,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is kind of a, that's quite the story, right? I, you know what? I think a lot of YouTubers are actually pretty shy. I think a lot of like I don't really like using the term extroverted or introverted. Um, like I don't think anyone specifically one thing or the other, but I definitely think if you were to put me on that spectrum, I'm definitely more towards the introverted category. Uh huh. Um, I you know I you know I do like to like you know have fun and whatnot, but I'm usually pretty quiet. Yeah. And. I like I observe a lot of things through like being on the internet quite a bit. I watch a lot of videos. I, in some ways, I listen more than I talk. Uh huh. And I, I think I, I learned. I bet you my lady wishes I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just wish. Shut the fuck up, Robert. <laughs> so, <clears throat> was your but, mom French or something like that? Like, how did you end up moving to France? Ah, uh, dad's job again. Yeah, he they so Pratt and Whitney was a company, and they were doing this joint venture, I think, with one of their competitors called Rolls Royce, not the car comp huh. uh, company. Um, they make jet plane engines as well. Right. And so we were stationed stationed based out of Toulouse, which is one of the aerospace um, capitals of France. So, do you just end up like get, like getting thrown into some kind of like French immersion class or something like that, or like how do you? Because I, I would make I a. I was thrown in public school. Like I, like, so you were basically like just sitting there not having a fucking clue what's going on or they, they had some kind of program. No, they had no program. Uh, like, <laughs> and like, I mean, um, I, I had like, a like when I was in France, I like had a lot of trouble in school. Cause like, you know, I'd start flipping off the teacher and stuff. I had like kind of like, I was acting out cause like I couldn't understand what I was supposed to be doing. And like, it was very frustrating. I was trying to get attention in the only way could yeah. and like yeah, I think, looking back i like i hate what i did like but like right. i don't know if that's a common theme about about people who are thrown into a school where they can't speak the language like it was a very weird situation i think that's a common theme for kids that are that are just frustrated i mean i, I think it doesn't there's a i mean i i can say that i got in trouble in school a lot and it was because i generally speaking, like was catching what they were teaching way ahead of everybody else. Mm -hmm. So then I was bored. And then I, the only way for me to like not be bored was to freaking fuck with people. And then like, then the teacher would like say something and I'm like, I got some kind of authority complex and you know, next thing you know, I'm sitting in the principal's office. Right. Yeah. I, I think one of the things I learned through school is uh, I really don't like I'm trying to think of the correct term, like, like authoritative figures who like tell you to do things without giving you a good reason. Like I would be yeah. terrible in the military. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I had a, a big, a big joke when I went in, uh, or actually not when I went in, when I got out the, uh, so like they always kind of give this little speech, you know, like so-and-so was a great soldier, blah, 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 blah. Like what are we missing? See you later. And uh, my squad leader gave this speech about me where he was like, when Schumacher showed up, 
I was like, I'm a, this guy thinks he's a civilian. I'm gonna make, <laughs> I'm gonna make a soldier out of this man. And he goes today, Schumacher's leaving and he's still a civilian. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely kind of did my own thing there. So that's, <laughs> so that's interesting. So you're over there just freaking kind of like mustering your way through that. And then you come back to the States, get, get into, so who was it that handed you a mountain bike? How, how did that, that happen from the BMX to the mountain bike? So what had happened? Um, when I was at Woodward, I remember seeing Red Bull Rampage on the TV in the canteen. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the craziest stuff ever. I, I'll never do that. Like, I'll never touch a mountain bike. Right. But it was like, are nuts. <laughs> I was like, man, but at the same time, I was like thinking, man, that was cool. And, um, because I like never really got into the trick stuff. I was always looking. I, I had this urge to get back into racing and I found out about downhill racing. I was like, huh? I wonder if I could translate some of my skills through BMX racing to mountain biking. I mean, it was more or less like less articulate than that. It was just like, I wonder if I could mountain bike well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, my, my dad had bought a mountain bike for himself at some point. Mm -hmm. And it was like, uh, old 2001, like specialized in Darrow. Like it, to me, it looked like a cross country bike, but every once in a while, like I'd send it off the jumps in my yard. Uh, I was like, this is kind of fun. It's kind of weird to jump on a mountain bike, but like, you know, it's different. Um, and so I think they saw that I was starting to get interested in, uh, mountain biking i kind of expressed interest i wanted to try to do a race and i wanted to get into mountain biking so we did a little bit of homework and um i found out that there are some trails nearby so mm -hmm. we went out to the local trails my dad let me borrow his bike and we timed it just so that we ran into some other guys on downhill bikes um riding these trails who are locals and they let me follow them on my like dad's what i would consider a cross-country bike Right. And I like held on to them and they're like, cool. Uh, you should think about racing. I'm like, okay, where do you do that? Yeah, that's um, kind of funny. When I first started riding, I was riding, you know, BMX all the time with my buddies. We'd just be going around town and, you know, ride over to here and you can jump over this alleyway and yeah. ride over <laughs> here and jump down these set of stairs and, then garbage day, do kickouts on everybody's recycling bin and just, you know, just be shitheads all the time. And then, uh, then my, my mom's boyfriend got me into mountain biking. It was the same kind of thing where it was like that, those skills though, of that kind of like. It's hard to quick, replace what you learn on BMX bike. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that those skills, when I started riding a lot of those guys that they were all like, you know, mid thirties, you know, maybe 40 years old. And, and, you know, here's this little kid that's just like, a got no fucking fear and and b i think is just like it was it, it was similar to what we were doing already and except for now i had gears and and probably better brakes you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah the front brake was something that took me a while to uh use i was like oh really you're not supposed to just use your back brake the front brake is important so what was your first uh what was your your bmx bike of choice back in the day uh, I, I mean, I went through so many, like, um, I, so I had a PK what Ripper. Like, I, was, what was the first one that you were just like amped off of having? I, well, I think the PK Ripper, um, yeah. which was, 
um, this is before they went out of business. Uh, they they went bankrupt and then they're bought by Fuji's par- parent company, which is uh, who they're with now, I believe. How, how old are you? I'm. That's a hard question these days. I'm 28. <laughs> it's funny as you get older, it's harder and harder to like answer that question quickly. Oh, believe me, dude. I, I have to freaking dude. I was like writing down the wrong age for like six or seven months, and, uh, and my the the person that does HR at the company I work at, she's like, dude, you're lying about your age. And then I like looked at it and figured it out. I was like putting down that I was older than I actually am. I'm like, dude, I'm not 20, 21 trying to pretend that I'm older. I'm like, I'm, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like PK Ripper because it had the same initials as me. Like I thought it was a real weird, funky looking bike. Um, and yeah, so this is probably one of my favorites, but I like, I never really got that attached to one particular bike uh-huh speaking I, of funky bikes you got that little tiny thing that you roll around on your videos how, I, how, how much fun is that thing you know what? i don't have it up here with me but that thing is a surprising amount of fun like it's yeah. just it's one of those things where you kind of set it it's like you know how like you have those things that you put on your like coffee table with our good conversation piece kind right. of thing yeah, that's the same thing, but for people who ride bikes, you put that in your garage, and that's bound to get somebody to try to do something. Oh yeah, I I can I can attest that I, I I'm a hundred and fifty percent sure that if I had one of those, me or one of all or all of my friends would at one time or another break a bone because we're drunk coming up with stupid ideas to do with that thing. Those things are very <laughs> like are so easy to like flip out on, but it's it's so much fun. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think it's, I think there's some simplicity to it. Um, the best thing, like, and I haven't ridden one, but just looking at it, it just reminds me of like when, when like scooters came out. Remember this? I don't know if maybe you were a little too young. The scooters that had like the like eight inch wheels, like rubber, like pneumatic wheels, like you pump them up. And I, I know which scooters you're talking about. Okay. So, like, when those I don't came remember out, that like phase. So, when those came out, it was like, it was so simple just to get on that thing and you could do like a, you know, do a bunny hop on it and you could try to like, you know, do a 360 on it or you, you could do a 180 on it. Like super simple because just like the body mechanics of moving yourself around, are yeah. just like simple because you're just standing on this thing. Right. So I think that's kind of the way I, I, I look at that thing. Like it's like, you know, you, you kind of have the gist of it and it's just tiny and it, it just has to be fun. I'm sure. It's, it's only a matter of time till like your elbow is shattered or your wrist is fucking done. But <laughs> I, you know what? Those things are just fun to rip around on. Like whether you're jumping or not, just like riding down to sh- like, not like if you're coasting, that's fun. If you're trying to pedal, it's miserable. Yeah. I can imagine the, the pedaling platform's not that good, right? No, I it's terrible. To cruise. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So, um, so at this point you're in, in New Hampshire, uh i'm in vermont i wasn't here yeah like it's it's hard for like um it's hard for you to stay still huh yeah uh well (laughs) so so this kind of boils into like why i kind of stopped making videos for a little bit all right um because like when well there's some factors before i was done with school that like really kind of got me down and like i like when i was done with school i was just like i'm ready to be out of here like i just i'm like you know, I like, I don't, I'm not going to miss this place. Right. Um, and you're so like, you're cool. You're cool. Fuck you. I'm out. 
which is unfortunate because <laughs> like when I like I I have a lot of good memories associated with that school. That's where I met Haley. Um, but uh, yeah. So when I was done with school, I was like I was kind of in this like lull, and I didn't know what to do if I wanted to like. I, I wanted to go forward with like YouTube. So like I made like two videos. And I was like really eager to make videos. And then like, I just felt I was having a hard time, like feeling happy about my situation. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I wasn't like necessarily unhappy, but I just like something about it's like, do, do I want to go forward with this YouTube thing or do like, um, do I want to like more or less go get a real job and, uh, you know, uh, still ride bikes. So it was mm -hmm. one of those things where I was like, I was having this like mental dilemma. And I also didn't know where home base was. Um, mm -hmm. cause I was living with my mom. Um, and like this, like it's, there's a lot of different pieces that go into this story. Um, but you know, when my, my mom had like, a pretty good savings, uh, she was pretty f smart with money. Um, and then after my dad passed away, um, she, like obviously his savings and whatnot. So she, I knew she was planning on moving to the West coast, uh, to Washington. And like, you know, that was her big plan. Cause her and my dad wanted to do that eventually. Um, they had spent some time in Washington before I was born. So, um, that's one of the reasons. And so I didn't know if like, I was gonna like base myself out of the house and kind of like turn that into kind of my like facility where I make all videos and like, you know, my, my shop. So I started doing the legwork to make that into my shop, which is where you saw the video. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up, um, uh, closing on a house like way, way sooner than I ever expected her to close, uh, to move. So, so that's um, where you were doing the videos in like, kind of like a basement kind of spot. Exactly. But okay, the thing, yeah, the it. thing is like, we didn't need to sell, she didn't need to sell that house to purchase the one in Seattle. So we still technically have that house and we're going to be probably putting it on the market sometime. I, we're still unsure what the situation with that house is because it's old and it's like the, a lot of work needs to be done to it. Yeah. So at this point you're telling me that you're moving to Seattle? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, no, but I will be in Seattle a lot more. <laughs> Um, but so, no, um, so no you so mentioned, go ahead, go ahead. Haley lives in, uh, Vermont and she lives in an apartment, which is where I am now. Um, and so it was always hard to like get stuff done there because it's a small apartment, can't really fit bikes in. And so eventually we, we, I just like, you know, like I was also having this, uh, dilemma. It's like, I'm 28 years old. I don't want to be living in my house, but I kind of feel like I'm kind of a caretaker of my mom at this point mm -hmm. um because my sister's over overseas i'm the only one my my dad's dead i need to kind of help my mom out but like i also want to spread my wings and go do my like my thing right and right. so you i, really I would, like scratch your balls at the refrigerator or throw <laughs> like, on and not have your mom looking at you right yeah i mean like <laughs> You know, like I like you know my mom supported the YouTube thing too. She loves it, but it, it was just one of these things where I was just like, met, just very frustrated with my situation. It's like I, I didn't know how to tell her like, hey, I need to just go live with Haley because you know, like 
that's a tough thing to do, man. You feel like you're letting her down. And I think, you know, with your your dad passing away, I'm sure you're, you're carrying some weight where you really need to take care of her. You said your sister's overseas. So I, I can understand what you're saying, man. You're having, you're having a little battle there, man. And so, like, it, that just really brought me down amongst other things. And, like, I just – at that point, I was like, I, I, I'm not in the mindset to make videos. I just want to go explore Vermont and New Hampshire with Haley and just go ride. And so, so let's but, talk – go ahead. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so, I was, so let's talk about Haley. How did how did you come up with this, this mountain biker? Yeah, so lucky for me, uh, when – like probably though, like if I were saying, like, I met her at Woodward. No, so <laughs> I, I I met her uh, at school um, because we had a collegiate cycling team. Uh, I met I met her there, um, and like she had a broken, like a shattered ankle at the time because she broke it doing a drop downhill. Um, and I was like, wait, you're a girl who rides downhill from New Hampshire, and I've never met you before. And your ankle's broken, so you can't run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was just like one of those things where, like, you know, um, she, like, you know, wait for you to come back. It's oh, no, of, I'm here. <laughs> it was just weird talking to, like, a blank screen. I didn't think that out when I put these headphones on. So <laughs> sorry about that. I'm going to have to work on my, my freaking my drinking studio next week. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, so anyway um she like was you know this i i think the time like that she like I'm, so again she was from new hampshire she rode downhill um and i was like how have i never met her because like the downhill scene on the east coast is really small so you know like almost everybody and especially you kind of know everybody in your state Right. Um, and so it was kind of like, oh, this is cool. But at the at the time when I first started, like I I had a girlfriend. Um, and it was kind of a long term, like long distance relationship with a really awesome girl. I'm, but you know, just through the like situation, we like it just wasn't working out, and so we broke it off. And I wasn't looking for a girlfriend. I was just kind of, you know, going to take some time to figure myself out, and. You know, I like, you know, I was missing a cleat bolt for my, one of my Shimano shoes and she helped me out. Um, and then I started to end up like spending more and more time with her. I'm like, wow, this girl's pretty cool. And like, she's not playing any kind of like games. She's not like trying to like do any like weird things that, you know, typical girl things. Yeah, you know why she wasn't doing anything weird? Because she's a fucking mountain biker. That's why, dude. If she was a road biker, you'd be like, I don't know, man. But uh, well, the thing is, she also raced road. She, well, she's that's okay. They can race. They can ride road sometimes. But if they're a mountain biker, then you at least know where their roots are, right? She, 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 uh, she, she's raced uh, almost every biking discipline except for maybe like track. I haven't looked at her. I know she had a channel for a while. I don't know if she does still. I remember watching a few of her videos back, back in the day, though. I I put the bug in her ear at one point. I was like, "Listen, there, like, there's a spot on YouTube for like a female, like a strong female, um, advocate for the sport, and I think you have all the qualities to make that happen. If you want to, I will help facilitate to make that happen. But I think." The editing side, like editing videos side of things, she just hates. Yeah, I know it's tough. That's the hardest part of it. That is the so, part. 
most people underestimate. So I think she, 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 that's something she really likes science. She, she was a biology major. She's like, she's a lab tech and she loves her job. So I like, I want her to like do whatever she's passionate about. Um, and so like she'll be in my videos in and out. She's a big, like she's holding the camera quite a bit. She's always like a huge support. She's the first one to watch my videos and like tell me if they suck or if they're like, if I'm on a white track or if I need to like re-explain something. Um, my, my lady doesn't watch my videos. She just hears about them from my friends and she's like, really? You were, <laughs> you were singing in the bathroom, taking a shit in Reno. That's really what you fucking put on the internet, Rob. Yes, I did. It was hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, she does not watch my channel at all, but I have talked to her about YouTube too. And I think it's like one of those things where like you, when you find something like this, where you can just be yourself and you see somebody else has some qualities you really want you you're like you want to share that with them and, and the hard part is sometimes that like they just don't care about it the same way that you do or they don't want to do that in that that manner you know yeah i definitely had relationships like that um yeah. and uh so you know when Haley and i started dating like our first like test of our like relationship was it was spring break. We went on like a road trip to go mountain bike. We drove to Florida. We didn't really have any plans. We we're just like, well, we're going to go to Florida and then come up back through Alabama or like ride some of these places and, you know, figure it out. And so, um, when like we were like unshowered after like four days of riding, like she was like forcing, uh, rotisserie chicken as we're driving into my, like, face as i'm like driving like through alabama i'm like <laughs> wow she's okay with this right I, like that, that was the point where i was like i i think like i've i found a girl yeah i think you're onto something you know earlier you said uh you weren't really looking for a girlfriend and, and it's so cliche but it's like nine out of time ten times true is like that's when you find the person that you're with you know it's just like you're always like least when you're just not looking anymore you know otherwise for whatever reason like the world is like oh you want that really bad no oh you don't <laughs> want that here you go you know? yeah it, it, it's funny how that works out yeah definitely so um <clears throat> i met you in sedona last year yep. and uh and one this of the year. things or yeah this year actually it seems like so long ago it Holy does shit. doesn't it it seems like a lifetime ago but i i mean <laughs> so nonetheless i met you this spring in sedona Mm -hmm. And I, um, you were at the Tasco, the Tasco tent, and I was talking to Tasco just a couple of weeks ago on the biker bar here. And while I was talking to them, I was saying, you know, when I met you, two things were like really stood out to me. A, you were like way smaller than I thought you were. Like, I don't know why I was like, <laughs> like, that, that, like, that's the first time I've gotten that. Yeah. Like I was like, man, I thought, I, I don't know why, like you were just like, I, I didn't. Like, not that I thought you were going to be a huge guy, but for some reason, like, I was like, I don't know. I just, like, you were a smaller guy than I thought, right? So maybe it's because I was, like, a cracking on myself about weight. I'm like, oh, wow, look how much you're bigger than you are than him. But, um, and then aside from that, though, the thing that I really took it away from it, aside from me trying to make a joke that just failed, um, <laughs> is, uh, like, I really thought you were a super, super genuine guy. And I think that on your videos, you know, you're always kind of your 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 videos are very to the point of your you know you're teaching somebody something you're showing somebody something 
and like who you are doesn't necessarily like like who Phil is Phil Metz at the end of the day is doesn't necessarily come out other than like kind of like through the fringe. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and well, first of all, I, I don't know if I do. I say thanks for like, oh, like I. It's <laughs> obvious. Um, I. So that was one of the reasons that I, when when I was talking to um, Tasco that I was like, you know, I need to reach out to Phil because I really want people to see who he is because that was the thing that like I was like, man, this guy is like so genuine, man. Like I I really. And I think it's because, you know, through watching your videos, I just didn't really know much about you. I think it's kind of like watching Seth, you mm -hmm. know, like he's another person that doesn't like put a lot of necessarily like him out there. Like I would imagine you guys are both on the introvert side, you know what I mean? Where it's like somebody like like Brian or like Alex or me, like we're always talking about who we are and like our feelings about things and stuff like that, where your content's more like I'm teaching you this thing. And you're gonna get to know me, sorta, but not like like the like the more personal side of me. You, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I uh, I I agree with that. Um, and one thing, like, so let's talk about a skills video, for example. I'm I find that with a skills video, I'm always like I I want to be very careful with my word choice to try to. Um, like I don't use any random words for the most part to try to explain how to do some, something because I want to, like you know, when you're jumping, I like, it's like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you're driving your legs into the ground. Well, to me, like that is explaining the wrong thing because like you're not driving your legs into your ground. You're trying to push your body body up off the ground, and like you know, it's kind of the same thing, but like depending on how you explain it, people envision it completely different. Yeah, totally. And so I like when I make a skills video, I'm very like, particular about what words I say. And then the other thing is I have a hard time saying some words. So I like just actively <laughs> try to avoid saying them. Like you have a like big list on the wall, like words that I can't <laughs> say. Nope. No, but <laughs> I definitely should because I, I, I get like I kept my uh, catch myself going through like the script sometimes and be like, but. You know, I can write <laughs> down on paper, no problem, but I sure as fuck can't say it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. Th there's a lot of words like that. Um, and so, and sometimes like even the words that I can say when I'm trying to do the voiceover, I just can't. So I just have to come up with a different way of saying something. Yeah. So when you're making your videos, do you um, like kind of like cut out all the, like put the video down and then write the script or you write the script and then put the video down or... <sighs> It's kind, kind of, of, I'm trying to f figure out an equivalent analogy to this. Like, it's kind of like a um, rough draft, like process where you come up with a rough draft of things I kind of want to talk about, go out and film what I think will work for it. I'm unhappy with both of those. I go back out, revise a script or like some like details I want to try to explain, go film some things come back and like so it's like it's different layers of like writing filming writing filming so like one of my videos takes forever to make it's like the least efficient way you can make a video yeah yeah i actually have absolutely no idea what my video is about when i start yeah like, and that 
Well, that's the thing is like some of my videos will actually change. Like, you know, let's say it's about this one thing. And then like, while I'm trying to explain something like, wait, it might be better if I try to explain it this other way and explain it just from a totally different like standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I hear you there. So one thing I learned about myself, this would be my, my YouTube question for everyone <laughs> that I asked. One thing that I learned about myself when I started editing was certain words that I say all the fucking time. Yep. What, what's the one that you're always trying to cut out? Uh, like so. Or yeah. like, uh, there's things I say and I always begin my sentences with so. Yeah. I start a lot of my sentences on the channel with, all right. <laughs> that, that, actually, that's probably it. All right. So that's yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, because like when you're trying to do the voiceover, it's hard to have that right energy because no one wa wants to listen to like, all right, and now you lift your front wheel. Like, but at the same time, like if I try to talk normally, I tend to slur my words together. So yeah. it, I have to find that right balance of like enunciating and natural and. I think I'm airing a little bit more on the robotic side of things right now. <laughs> but Dude, you would you would be good with a beer channel, man. If you had a beer channel, nobody would fucking question you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll keep that in mind for my non PG thirteen year old. Even if you're not drinking, just put beer on there all the time, and people be like, "Oh yeah, okay, I get it." You get a sponsorship with Dale's or something like that. <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, yeah so that's another one yeah so i i feel like a, a good way to start my thought for me is always saying yeah so or all right so right and those are always the words i'm trying to cut out yeah yeah i cut out a lot of those and a lot of stupid shit that i say too <laughs> you know it's probably good that like we to cut down on like some of the things you say because like a lot of times like i'll like literally just cut out full sentences where i'm just like saying a very little in a lot of words it's interesting too and, and this is kind of off topic i guess as well i mean it's uh, yeah it has something to do with it like sometimes you fi you find out how many times that you actually repeat your sentences or the beginning of thing like like you stutter things and you don't ever realize that you stuttered them and like when you're listening to the edit you're like i i, I said do 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 you guys want to do this? Like, you know, you're like, I didn't even know that I said that when I, I thought I just, you know, like it came right out. But it's like when you're listening to yourself recorded over and over again, it's funny how many things that you just kind of run into and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> I, I I completely agree with that. It, yeah, it definitely um definitely lowered my freaking uh my my perception of myself. So <laughs> I, it's funny. I I definitely learned have learned a lot through recording myself on video because uh my I feel like in my head I'm very articulate. And then when I started making videos, I realized how not I wasn't very like I wasn't nearly as articulate as I thought I was. Uh-huh. Um so making videos has really helped me kind of pay attention to my speech um and how I say words and just like a lot, a lot of things comes back to my speech, but just it, like I've learned a lot about myself through making videos, and because it's like having a camera on yourself, like you can see all like the nitpicky things you can 
just point at? It's funny. I've learned a few, few things about myself because of people imitating me. And then I'm like, oh, I do do that. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, like Alex, I think on one of his videos did something about like the way that I shake my head whenever I'm like, what's up, YouTube? And I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then somebody else had done it on, on another video. And I was like, started watching it. Like, cause now, you know, I always say that on the intros and I'm like, I do kind of bobble my head a little bit. I never even noticed that. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I do something weird on, I think when I do Instagram stories, I always like do something weird with my eye. I can't remember what it is, but I remember watching a bunch of consecutive Instagram stories I posted and I was doing something funny. It was like I was squinting. I'm like, <laughs> you're a pirate on the sun. <laughs> and I never realized I did it until then. I was like, okay, I need to try to pay attention to that. And it's hard. Cause like, then you don't like do things like you don't talk naturally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to let it go. So the other thing was, whenever I met you in uh, Sedona, I was um, that when I was leaving Sedona for whatever reason, I got like food poisoning, something fierce, like the worst I've ever had in my entire life. The night before we left, so I pretty much spent like all night long, like just trying to make sure that I didn't shit the bed. So like it, oh. it was not sleeping. It was like the worst night of my life, right? And and it was supposed to be like a really fun night because like. You know, we had this really nice little like condo that me and the lady got. And I was like, we're going to go back and like sit out in the jacuzzi and watch the fucking sunset. I'm going to I'm going to drink some champagne, pretend I'm fucking sophisticated. And uh, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm like running for the bathroom. So so with that in mind, the next day, I'm just like feeling like dog shit and, and I'm riding out of town and I actually see you coming out of the hotel that you were in like bringing your your bike down the stairs because it's kind of like a like <laughs> you a, saw like, me doing that yeah yeah and it is funny so i was like oh there's phil that's kind of crazy kind of like made me feel good for a second as i was leaving town right and then I, I ended up seeing your video and like that clip like was in your video too and i was like dude i seen him do that and you were on the way to go to the fucking white line and that is what I really need to talk to you about because I have like a big fear of heights. If you watched my Sedona video, um, that would be great. Please comment, like, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was on a on a, a like a cliff that was like ten feet away from me. That was like I, I almost I honestly contemplated crawling because I'm like so afraid of heights. When I watched your white line video, like it was like. It, it was painful for me to watch, but I couldn't stop watching it. Right. And uh, it's like, I know he didn't die. He posted on Instagram yesterday. You know, like, <laughs> how the fuck did you bring yourself to even walk up there, dude? So, okay. Um, I'd be lying if like, it wasn't slightly kind of ego driven. Um, I'd be like, it's just, like one of those things where you see a lot of people do, do it. And it's like, I got to do this. Um, so, you're like, like oh I'll, yeah but it's raining why don't but let's make it more different why didn't you just put a fucking blindfold on while you're at it yeah exactly why <laughs> um but it was also one of those things where you know it's not a super technical move um uh -huh. it's something that you can do all day and you've done it before it's just in like the context of the situation um is like you know it the, if you mess up it's not going to be a good time and I think you, there's still a little bit of margin of error, but there's not much. Mm -hmm. and it's hard to say how big that margin of error is because like it kind of rolls 
out. And I think you like if you were to crash, I think you could still save it. But it's one of those things where it's like you could or you could not. So um, yeah, it's like the only way to find out if you could save it is not a good way of going about finding out if you could save it. Exactly. <laughs> like that's a bad test. So I was with both uh, Simon, I can't, uh, Bosman, um, absolutely nutty rider, a 50 year old guy who just like, I've, I have tremendous amount of respect for his riding style. And then I was with uh, Eric Porter um, and Eric Porter is like, he is one of the coolest people I've ever met. Like he, like um, he does a lot of backcountry skiing and he's done a lot of like avalanche and risk management. And he's like, a very easy person to talk to and he can make you feel at ease. And he was like, um, you know, we had a big long conversation about, you know, the line about how to do it. And then we also talked about, you know, the conditions, maybe we shouldn't do it. So um, there was a lot of the, like video I actually cut out. Cause like we, we talked quite a bit about whether we should do this or not. Um, and so I knew I could do that feature. It's just like in the context of things, like didn't want to mess up. But I think having two other people who had done it before, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like a pack mentality. You felt like yeah, you're uh, getting towed in. Yeah. You know, like between your ego and then the other people. And just I, I can tell you, like for me, my fear of heights is just it's debilitating. So like I like I, I felt like weak just watching you like it was like. Like, like, I'm not fucking kidding when I said it was painful for me to watch. You know, it was just like, I got that feeling like I was standing on the side of the cliff by myself, man. And, and like the GoPro, because I've used the GoPro a lot, I know how how much it lies to you and making things look like tamer than they are. And that shit looked fucked up. So I was just like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. And, and you know, like, it was just one of those things where it's like, I, you know, once I was there, I just needed to check it off the box. Like there's no good reason for why like you do that line. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not that impressive. It's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know, a stupid test of like your, yourself. Your yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I, which doesn't make any sense, but like at the same time, like why do people climb to the top of Mount Everest? I guess that's a little bit more, that's way more interesting. Yeah. Um, like, I think I think the main the, the answer to all of those questions is because you can, you know, what I yeah. mean? that's really what it comes down to. Why did you do that? Because I could, you know. But yeah, so I'm like, I, you know, in retrospect, I'm glad that I did it. I don't know if I'm going to do it again, ever. I'm like, once pretty cool. Yeah. Was that the scariest thing you ever did on a bike? Uh, definitely. In that kind of situation, yes. I've probably done other things more scary, more scarier. Um, uh, but at the at the moment, I can't think of any. Mm -hmm. I watched you um, on one of your videos. And I don't know if this was like pre-skills with Phil or not. Or there's a video of you doing like an urban race, like like like. South oh, America, that, that was scary. That was scary. Dude, was that like, what, what is that like? Just, you know, do you like walk through that course and kind of like run through everything like slow speed first? Because I mean, there's some like big hits, like big drops, like huge jumps that you were doing in that. So if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. So we did a course walk, which is like walking down everything. Um, and we did it the day before. Um, 
And so the first thing of that course is a set of stairs and it's, it's hard for me to remember, but like, like there's like a bunch of different sets of stairs and they're like, I don't think there's any more than like 10 stairs in one set, but like sometimes there's like eight stairs flat, six stairs flat, seven stairs flat, eight stairs. So it's like, it but doesn't like not, a- not right. So where you can just like, like send it, send it, send it. Like the, exactly, the, like the landings are too small, so you have to kind of roll them. And it's also really, really steep. Like it's way steeper than you think. Because I'd seen videos of it. I'm like, okay, I can gap stairs, but then it's like in context, it's really steep. And I'll so, tell you what, running a set of stairs that's super steep is one of the scarier things that I've done. Like even compared to like, like some of the technical like rock rolls and stuff like that I've done. I've definitely like. I've gone down a set of stairs not realizing how steep it was until I was on it. And it's just like your suspension is just like going nuts on you. And you're just like, holy shit, man. And it's hard to break because it like that kind of terrain like is really like not good braking surface, especially with like your um, like suspension just bobbing up and down. Um, So like after I did the course walk, I, you know, I, I, the stairs up, I was like, all right, I can gap this set of stairs. So by gapping, I mean um, you'd gap over the eight set of stairs to the next landing or so. Right. Like, right. And the so next platform. Uh, yeah. And so there's two situations where like, all right, so um, you'd gap this one, you'd gap this one, and then you would jump out and you'd still gap from the last landing to flat. So mm-hmm. you'd essentially be gapping over three sets of stairs. Right. Um, and like that was the way that just you know made the most sense because you know I'm a racer I'm trying to go for it I'm trying to find the fastest way down the right. mountain if you will, and my first practice run literally nine seconds into it I'm on the ground because like I gapped gapped and then I'm about to gap the last set of stairs and my suspension just throws me over to bars. Oh no! Onto like you know hard asphalt. Um, that's where I have like this scar from. Oh, if you can see ouch. it. Um, and my arm like swelled up to double the size. Like I, I couldn't tell if I'd broken anything. Um, but like it was swollen, like it was insane. I couldn't like literally press into my skin and make like a full on pump track. So you don't wear like, like elbow and knee pads or like that was before you decided to wear pads. I, so I actually throughout my career, I started wearing less and less pads. So I was not wearing any elbow pads. So it's like Mm. my, my, like if you watched back on the video, cause I had two GoPros on, um, you know, I used my arms and then you fall onto your elbows and then like roll over your shoulder. So, cause oh, you're trying yeah, to, that is the video I saw. I remember that now. You're, you're trying that. to disperse the energy. You're trying to continue, like, like continue rolling. So what was the reason that you started using less pads? Um, so one of reasons, honestly, is just like, I'm a stinky guy. And like, it's just like, it's really gross to like, do a bunch of practice runs and then put on full body armor again. And mm-hmm. it just like reeks. And like it, uh, so honestly, one reason it's like, I just couldn't deal with the smell. Yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't stand yourself. You're like, I but, fucking hate me. <laughs> it was just really gross. And then the other yeah. reason is like, once you start to like get good, like you start to be a little bit more confident in your abilities. And so I found when I stopped wearing pads, I started to be a little bit more cautious about some of the lines I was taking. I like, I had to be a little bit more certain that I could make something. Mm-hmm. 
And so it kind of changed my like frame of thought because like now without pads, crashing really sucks. Yeah, or yeah. crashing without you pads. Fucking get to like your mid thirties or forty, dude. You'll really know it then. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where like you know I'd obviously helmet is no question, knee pads like uh no brainer, but like elbow pads were always kind of annoying, and like so it's just like you know I just ditched them. It, like I if I started racing again, I'd probably get like a um some form of back like chest and back protector shoulder pads but like i wouldn't go back to elbow pads no that's one thing that always bother me what's the what was the what would be the reason with the chest and the back just because like whenever you go down like if you're otb like just to really keep that like yeah because uh just like so you can kind of roll in like uh -huh. if you like tuck and roll and tuck and roll over rocks like it's not mm -hmm. going into your spine and like it's a little bit more cushiony yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, I imagine too, like you're talking about more downhill stuff anyway, right? So you're 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 in some like chunky ass sections. Like your back being a problem would would definitely. I can see where you're coming from. But like you know, for me, like I don't I don't mind scar like scrapes and stuff. Like that just comes with the territory. I yeah, no, I kind of accepted that when I was young and PMXer, you know. But I think that. Um, <sighs> I th somebody said this to me the other day. You usually pay for it in blood until you you make the decision to start wearing pads, and that that's what it was for me. And for a long time, I never wore pads because I was like, "Dude, I've been riding bikes for like twenty years, man, or longer, like mountain bikes for like at least that." And it's like, I don't need fucking pads. I never had them until now, or never had them before. And then you know, I took this like big digger and just my knee was all screwed up and actually like that night i went to bed to like bandages on both my elbows both my knees like i'm like that was just stupid like all it is is a matter of me putting on some pads and now they're actually like really comfortable like the cow like i have some cali strike pads mm -hmm. they're they're and um they're just like super comfortable. I would imagine I, i've seen some i've tried on like the g form and the other brands that are similar to them as well like for as comfortable as they are, it's like, why not? You know, mm -hmm. absolutely. I definitely like knee pads are something that like for any time I'm in the bar bike park, I'm like wearing knee pads. They're super like like the those don't bother me at all. Um, so like, I I still think companies have a long way to go with designing body armor that's not as restrictive and like comfortable to wear, and at the same time that like just you know one of the things I found is like, it just doesn't dry out quickly. And like, you're just like containing all the sweat and it's just super gross. Yeah. I know when I rode street bikes, Dionisi had some stuff that was like, uh, like a mesh almost. And then it had pads built into it. Mm -hmm. I would imagine they have something like that for mountain biking as well. Yeah. I, I do believe they, uh, they make a bunch of stuff. I've never particularly tried any of their equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I, and their motorcycle stuff was always dialed. So I know that I had talked to uh, MTV Savant. I think he has those DNEC like knee pads, and they're they're very similar to the uh, the strikes that I have from Cali. I think they're made by the same like parent company, you know, the whoever the manufacturer is. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely. I think at this point, for as comfortable as pads are, it, it's like well, why not? You know what I mean? Like especially for the average Joe that's got to go to work on Monday. And, you know, like, like your, 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 your opportunity cost of like screwing your elbow or like shattering a kneecap or an elbow 
over looking cool or not being as hot. Like, I think it's worth it. Yeah, I, I think it really depends where you're coming from. Like, I, I will never tell people not to wear pads if, like, you know, it's it's just a smart thing to do. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, where do you stand on it? What's the risk versus reward? Um, yeah. And, you know, like, you know, you're, everyone's a grown up. Make your own decision. If, like, you think, you know, getting... You know, injured is an acceptable risk, which, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it's a smart thing, but, um, you know, you know, you can make your own decision. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you there. I mean, I, I have the same problem with like, I mean, do you wear a full face very often? Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I ride a bike park, ex- except when I went to Whistler, um, I always wear a full face. I, I I didn't bring my full face with me for whatever reason. I like it was a dumb like I, I look back at that video. Well, I think we lost him just like that. He gone. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to try to try to, to ad lib for a minute and we'll see if he comes back. So for me with the full face, I, um, once again, it's one of those things where like, I, I guess you have to pay for it in blood. And for me, it was like, I was out there riding bikes for freaking 20 some years and I've never smashed all my teeth out. So why the fuck do I need one? But I'm just watching these guys like more and more these guys like wearing these these full face helmets. And I'm like thinking about some of the speeds that I run at. And, you know, for, for an average Joe, they're fast for me. And it's like, well, I don't know how much sense that makes if I'm just going to if I'm just going to go barreling down the hill. I mean, I'm wearing a, 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 a helmet skiing I'm wearing a helmet mountain biking, but I definitely should. uh Definitely should should take care of the grill <laughs> on on the high speed stuff. So, <clears throat> with all that being said, how about you guys out there? How many of you guys wear a full face helmet on a regular basis? Am I back? You are back. So I just got done telling a story about how much I hated your channel and nobody should go there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. No, no, no. I just wrapped it up with the full face thing. So. Um, I wanted to ask you, what are some of your, your favorite, um, I don't know how to say like parts on a bike. Like, like, are you like, things I'm particular uh, about? Yeah. Yeah. Like brakes or like, for me it's brakes. I have a big fucking deal about brakes, but. Um, so, all right. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I can get used to any part on a bike. If you give me enough time, um, the thing. <laughs> I really hate working on my bike. I like spending a lot more time riding my bike than I am like tinkering with it. So once I find a setup, I don't like changing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I used to be not particular about anything and now I'm kind of particular about things, but I'm still like, there are people who are way more particular and sensitive to certain things than I am. Um, yeah. So one thing that makes to me is a big deal is like brake lever setup. Like when I jump on any bike, that's like the first thing I touch. Like, do you grab the brake? What what fingers do you use to grab the brakes? Uh, index finger. Index. I always, for the longest time, use my middle finger with certain brakes. And I think my Saints right now, I can't really grab with my middle finger. So I switched to index and it took me so long to get used to that. Yeah, it's funny. Like that, that's not the, uh, I've, I've met quite a few people who, who, uh, who do that. Yeah. Um, 
I, I try to, you know, explain why they might want to be using their index, but at the end of the day, if you can use your middle finger to break, and yeah, that works for you. Whatever you're but, good with. So, so what, what's the thing about that you're particular about with the break setup? Uh, just the, not necessarily the angle, it's how it feels on cars. Like, that's where your hand's going to, like, is going to be set up. So as long as it like, has a good, um, you know, the pitch of the lever is good. And then uh, where, right. like, I, I run my brake levers pretty far in. Like, I don't want it to be, like, I want to be able to death grip if I have to. But, like, I still want to be able to grab my brake lever really easily. So just, like, the general position is somewhat important to me. Like, because. Yeah. I don't like the levers to be out very far. But I want that point of engagement to be really quick from when I pull them. Some people like them to come all the way to the bars. Like I, I can't no, I can't. I can't that. do that. I, I hate that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I like mine to engage like probably like in the, like start engaging like an inch and a half from the bars, and like I want them to be like fully engaged, like an inch away from the bars or so. I've never yeah. measured, but in my mind, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Yeah, I want them to start engaging as soon as possible. Like, um, like to me, like I just like I can learn that that point of engagement of where full and and like where off and on is. You know what I mean? I yeah. Just want, I don't want any. I don't want to have to pull that and have some kind of like lead area until they start engaging. It's kind of like hubs. You know what I mean? Like you want to pedal. When you pedal, you want the wheel to fucking roll. Like when I pull the brake, I want the wheel to stop rolling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Let's see what other thing. I guess like there's a lot of little things that I can be somewhat particular about. Um, I'll give you another one of mine. I I don't like skinny grips. Like I like the Alries because they're really big, and I just like that. Like anytime I get on a bike that has skinny grips, like instantly, like it just annoys the shit out of me. Yeah, I've I've it's I'm not super particular about grips. Like there are some grips I really like. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm like, you know, without trying to like plug one of my sponsors, I'm pretty impressed with those DD, uh, I think we call them knuckle dusters. Like I've been really happy with them cause they, they don't have, you know, like they're lock on grips, but they don't have the outer lock. So like uh -huh. the end of it is so just a like, single, single, single lock system. Yeah. And I never realized how much I hated the outer lock until I had these where I can put my hand on the full end of the bar. And so that like, you know, not again, not a big thing, but I really like those bars and or those grips. And now like anytime I get grips, I'm going to make sure I get one that does not have a lock on the outside. That's interesting. Um, what are I like they spin at all then? I, I mean, I have an issue. Like, I mean, I, if I really try hard, I can spin them a little bit, but it's not like I'm like just like twisting them. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about like in, in riding, you don't feel like they have any, any, no, nah. no. Nah. Have you ever um, tried those, 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 uh, those new grips that have like the little suspension built into them? I, I hated them. I haven't tried them yet. I, I like, so it, it's, it's hard. For, so they reached out, they sent me a, a few sets to try and I tried a few and, um, I, I like I was straight up with them. I'm like, listen, I like, I can't guarantee they will ever make it in a video. But if like I do end up liking them, I like I might plug them in a video because I think, like you know, kind of like a review of different features, um, like different like nifty things you can find for different kind of bikes. 
Um, but I, I really didn't like them. I found the they didn't work that well, and like the like twistiness was like just really odd. Kind of um, distracting, maybe. Yeah, and I didn't find that the vibration dampening or damping was really doing anything. Like I just felt like a fat grip could do the same thing. Yeah. And the other thing that like really bothered me was how much wasted space on the bars there were. Mm-hmm. Cause like the, the actual locking mechanism was much wider than any other locking mechanism I've used. So I had to run uh, my brake levers further inside. So now uh, my okay. handlebars are essentially like smaller. I'm like, uh, like it's an interesting idea. And um, I think some people actually like it. I just per- found that I didn't like them. Yeah. You know, it's funny with that, that, or it's funny that way with products, you know, like sometimes what's good for you isn't good for other people. I just had a whole conversation yesterday at the bike shop about when people ask you, what bike should I get? And I always like the first thing that comes to my mind is like, don't listen to anybody. Like it's completely almost in my mind pointless to listen to somebody about what bike that you should get, because the bike that I think is the best thing since sliced bread you could get on. And you're just like, I don't like the way this makes me feel at all. So like maybe you could look at some components of like, oh, this bike is really poppy and fun. And you can kind of like steer somebody that way. Or this one is a really good climber. But as far as just like really like just giving like, hey, this is this is my advice for you. My advice for you is go out and sit on the fucking thing, dude. Because that's the only way you're going to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of took a gamble with my calling. Um, I, I, I never test rode it. Um, but I had ridden Evil before. I knew I liked them. And I knew I wanted like a short travel bike that was just kind of built to just like take punishment and it's pretty much exactly everything i asked for i've had a few bikes that i really read a lot about online and whenever i got on them was not impressed and i've had some bikes like i'll tell you and i i do not get tired of fucking talking about this bike (laughs) i rented a giant trance earlier this year because mm-hmm. I just my bike was in the shop. I was like, oh, I'll do a demo video. There was like, I want the shop that I wanted to get this Yeti from this other shop. They were already like rented that day. So I called around. There's this one shop that had like the cheapest rental bike in town. I was like, fuck it. I'll go get that. I'm just going to go do this video. Like review videos are good. They, usually they get a lot of views. And I'm like, so I'll just go ride this bike and have a good time. And I was not expecting to be impressed with the bike at all. And that was one of those ones that like, I just got on, it was just so much fun to ride, you know, and and on paper, I would have never, never even fucking considered that bike. I think a lot of times a bike can be, no, a lot, a lot of times a bike is made, uh, made or, uh, I can't say this, um, but like it's, it's, it can make or break by the components that are on it. Yeah. Um, so like you can like, you know, for Trek, for some reason, like they're, uh, nine thousand dollar trek session uh like downhill bike was equipped with really crappy narrow bars that made it just feel awful when you put like some bars out a little bit wider like more appropriate for downhill like it felt great but like mm-hmm. um you know i think components the components you put on a bike are just as important as the frame itself yeah no definitely i think there's some key ones for me like i think it's definitely um 
a good wheel set and which is really tough if you're trying to do if you're trying to buy a budget bike don't worry about that just buy a bike and and you can work into that later but a really mm-hmm. good wheel set especially like good hubs rear hub especially you know like that makes a big difference for me brakes brakes is huge because i'm a big guy but even when i wasn't you know like wasn't as big as i am even right now like i, I guess i'm i have even in my thinnest time, I'm still like over 200 pounds. So, um, but I think just the only way that, you know, you have crappy brakes is to buy better ones, you know, you know what? So when I, uh, rode that, uh, Raleigh Tokel, they came with like some really baseline Tektro brakes. And, um, I was surprised how much I enjoyed the feel of those brakes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it kind of blew my mind because like these are like I don't know how much they are, but like, they're they come on like it was a, a budget brake setup, and right. they had a pretty good feel on them. They yeah. weren't as powerful as a lot of other brakes, but just the fact they they felt good to me was almost more important. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing for me is that you know I'm a bigger guy. And, and like, and you talk to any dude that's over 200 pounds, man. And, and like that there's, there's a huge difference of what we consider a good break compared to somebody else, you know? And like, in some cases, like for instance, you know, using a, a, a saint, which is like, you know, maybe a quote unquote downhill break, but that's what it takes to really have good break. Oh, sure. When you're a big guy, you know, it's like, there's no getting around it, you know? And, and I, I think as a guy that, didn't always have a lot of experience with other bikes other than the one that I was riding. So like the channels really kind of helped me with that. Like in the past, that was like, when I say the only way, you know, you have crappy brakes is to buy a better pair. It's like, it's like, for me, that's the only way it was. Like I thought my brakes were awesome and there's just the upgrade bug made me buy new ones. And then whenever I bought better ones, I was like, holy shit. I remember the first time that I went from like to XT brakes, you know, and I like bumped my rotors up. And I almost went over the bars like fucking five times on that ride <laughs> because like they were just so sensitive. I like, I didn't even understand that my brakes could be that good, you know? And then another time, like years later, I, I was telling one of my buddies, oh dude, you should definitely get hydraulic brakes here. Ride mine. And cause he had like, you know, like a, like a pool brake system on his bikes or yeah. or whatever they are. And I was like trying to talk him into upgrading because I was like, dude, you know, when you see somebody that's got a good skill set and you're like, dude, your equipment's holding you back. You know, it was kind of like one of those conversations. So I get on his bike, dude, and we go freaking hauling ass down this hill. And I'm just coming into this corner like I would normally. And I yanked the brakes and like they didn't do anything. You know, (laughs) and that's like, you know, but for him, he was used to like riding like that. That's what was slowing him down. And for me, it was like I was so used to having a good set of brakes and being able to use that speed as fast as I could to get into there, just modulate a little bit and get out of it. And it was one of those, those moments in my life where I really was like, wow, brakes really do make a huge, huge difference on your ride. I, I, I absolutely. No, and like for, for me, like I came from BMX and it was like, you know, I used brakes to slow down. So like learning how to use brakes and mountain biking was something that like took me a while, especially my front brake. Yeah. And yeah. It's totally different. Like I, I would say it was only more in recent years. I like started being particular about brakes. 
only mm-hmm. when like I felt like I was actually starting to be held back but like at the time like you know how they were set up like it didn't really like m- like bother me it's just like whatever it's a break yeah like, they were never bled properly or anything well I'll tell you what Phil it's been two hours man I don't want to keep Has you up it? all night yeah oh dude, two hours <laughs> so dude it was awesome to talk to you i i would love to have you on another bike bar in the future um i really appreciate you taking the time to um to to sit down and and chat with a lowly youtuber like me (laughs) (laughs) no this has been fun like i I appreciate it thanks for having me on definitely definitely appreciate it for all you guys listening um after the fact usually this is on every sunday at 5 p.m pst today we had a little day delay a game no big deal um if you want to listen to this podcast or as a podcast instead of just watching it live on youtube you can check it out on the apple play podcast or the google play the apple podcast (laughs) the soundcloud wherever you want to watch it at those are the places that it's at um i really once again like thank you so much phil for for being on everybody out there that's listening um if you if you want more of this I'm going to say it on my, on my podcast. I can get away with on my podcast. Hit the fucking subscribe button. please. <laughs> my analytics show 50% of you fuckers that are watching this shit aren't subscribed. That's bullshit. So hit the button. All right. So I appreciate everybody. Thank you very much. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one bitches. <laughs> See you guys.